Good evening, my darlings, and how are you all on this cold, cold night? I've just been having a little fun on the old Ouija board. I've spent the last two hours talking to my dear old high school friend Miranda. She died in a tragic accident, unfortunately. Very sad. But the silver lining is I have someone to play Scrabble with on this thing. <laughs> now, on to our first story. And have you ever seen strange little men? No, no, not that kind. Hi, I'm Jamie, and this is my story. So to the best of my recollection, this took place in late spring, early summer, 1984. I was really young, about five years old. Me and my older sister were being looked after by my grandparents for the day, which wasn't something that happened that all often when we were small. They lived in a small bungalow in a village at the edge of the New Forest. The bungalow was always very quiet. Very rarely was the TV or radio on. My granddad had been a carpenter for a while. Although he didn't work as one anymore, he still had a big workshop and two boats he'd built, a big workbench, various bits of equipment and a mysterious motorcycle. It was under a blanket and we weren't allowed to look under. They had a long garden with the most immaculate concrete driveway he'd built alongside the lawn leading up to the workshop. I remember the large oak trees behind my granddad's workshop. There were thick, lush green leaves. It was early in the day, as although it was sunny, it was still cool. I remember the morning shadows, and I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt for the warm day ahead. I can't remember why we were going to my granddad's workshop. He likely had some new project or curio to show me and my sister. We certainly weren't allowed to play in there. He and my sister led the way. My nan stayed indoors. I was already a little way behind and stopped to do my laces or picked something up off the floor. As I stood back, I was aware of someone calling to me from above. I could see on the roof of the workshop a strange little grubby hairy man about the size of a child. He had curly, dark hair, really hairy arms and wore what I can only describe as an open black leather waistcoat. I couldn't see from his chest down as he was laying on the back side of the roof. I suppose he looked a little like Sid James of the Carry On films and Mo from The Simpsons. He just started talking to me, asking my name, what I wanted to be when I grew up. He appeared quite friendly, almost magical. His voice was just like a normal person, maybe a little bit gruff. I wasn't afraid like I may have been if, say, an adult I didn't know had approached me in the street. We knew not to talk to strangers at that time. I recall him saying that I shouldn't mention him to anyone as no one would believe me. I remember I wanted to ask him his name but, and who he was and where he was from, as he was such a curious person. But with that, my sister came back out to come and get me. She even asked who I was talking to. I replied to that little man on the roof. We both looked up there and there was no one there. 
My sister thought I was being silly and we went on inside the workshop. I never saw him again. Looking back, I remember feeling perplexed, which I think is the best word to describe it. My sister instantly thought I was making it up and being silly, which made me feel frustrated. It's not a memory that has ever left me, as it's one of my earliest memories of being at my grandparents. What do I think it was? Well, I'm really not sure. I don't think it was an intruder. The workshop took the full width of the garden. The oak trees were thick and we were inside their garden, separated by a six foot chain link fence from the sports field. I'm not saying it would have been impossible for someone to get up there, but it would have been very difficult. And why only make themselves known to me and not my sister? She's only two years older than me. I've always wanted to find out more, but never really known who to ask about it or where to find information out. Later, when the X-Files was a thing, I regularly got the Fatian Times and had books about the paranormal. I'm sure there's more to life than we know, or we'll let ourselves believe. I was nine. It was Christmas Eve 1988, and my family's Christmas Eve party was winding down. My grandma was digging through the remnants of boxes, bows and wrapping papers from our family's white elephant gift exchange to see what she could salvage for next year. And my mother and aunt were laughing and trading stories of holidays past. My two older half-sisters, Sherry and Penny, who were adults at the time, being 18 and 20 years older than me, were picking over the leftovers on the dining room table. I was sitting near the back of the Christmas tree where three gifts with my name on them remained. These were from my mum and grandma, and as it was tradition that I could open only one gift before bedtime on Christmas Eve, the rest I had to wait and open with my Santa gifts on Christmas morning. I assessed the three packages for some time before making my selection. It was nearing midnight, I had to be in bed soon, so decided just to pick the biggest because it had weight and didn't sound like clothes when I shook it. When my mum said it was time, I eagerly unwrapped the gift. At my grandma's unspoken request, I was careful not to rip the paper or mess up the bow and set them aside as my gift was revealed. It was a telescope. It wasn't a high quality count the rings of satin type though. It was a small, mostly made of plastic and still had the 4.99 price sticker on the box. I was gracious though. I was not impressed, though not because of the quality. I didn't know the difference between a nice telescope and a cheap toy one because I simply had no interest in its function. And even if I was interested in what it did, the simple assembly required to make it work exceeded the grasp of my exceptionally short attention span. Now my sister Sherry is the oldest, and to me back then she was like a bossy hall monitor. She had no real authority, but that didn't stop her from trying to run everything. I'm 41 now, and she is 61, and seriously not that much has changed in that aspect. My other sister Penny is just two years younger than Sherry, so she would have been 29 at the time. She was different. A combination of unattended schizophrenia and drug abuse made her the wild card, meaning that you never knew what you were going to get with her. On this night, she'd managed to maintain a level of normalcy, 
and a jovial mood. Though under any circumstances at that time, and regardless of her behaviour, her personality seemed more comparable to mine, rather than to any of the adults in the room. Penny took an enthusiastic interest in my new gift and asked if we could go out back and test it out. I agreed, knowing that my compliance would afford me a bit more time before I had to go to bed, and being a child on the night before Christmas, I was naturally restless. Penny and I ascended onto the back porch, and in no time at all my sister had the telescope assembled and in position for celestial exploration. It took her a bit longer to find a point of focus and adjust all the little knobs for optimal viewing, so while she was occupied with that, my attention was drawn to the icicles that had formed on the awning, and the dog's water bowl that had turned to solid ice. Where I lived, this isn't generally common, even for December, though it isn't generally uncommon. Our winters are short, and much like my eccentric sister, you never know what you're going to get when it arrives. I feel the need to preface this next part of the story with two very important points. Firstly, I need to say that my memory of this incident, however perplexing, is as clear and as vivid to me now as the very night it occurred, so this is a true and accurate account. Secondly, this entire event lasted no more than a minute, and while I must describe these events in succession, many of them occurred all at once. I'd just taken off my mittens so I could utilise the full function of my hands and fingers for grasping when I heard Penny exclaim in amusement, Whoa, cool! Still having no interest at all in stargazing and far more focused on trying to retrieve the perfect icicle from the awning using a garden hoe, I didn't even look up from what I was doing, figuring that she managed to find something bright to look at and that just meant I had a bit more time to spend on trying to dislodge the big beautiful icicle before it melted. Then it occurred to me that the icicle was definitely melting, and quite rapidly, when just moments before it was still in the process of forming. Now it's dripping like a leaky faucet, and what was even stranger was that all this water was dripping around me, yet it made no sound. In fact, nothing made a sound. Not the water, or the wind, or the highway in the distance. Not even my sister tinkering with that telescope. Then the dripping slowed, and I don't mean that in the sense that there was more time between each drop, but rather the droplets were taking longer to fall to the ground. Confused, I immediately looked over at my sister and found her standing upright, not bent over, peering into the telescope, but staring out into the yard. I turned to match her gaze, and what I saw completely eluded the grasp of my nine-year-old comprehension. Hovering a mere four feet above my backyard fence, was an almond-shaped capsule, about the size of a pontoon boat. It was a metallic colour like chrome with no discernible crevices. No windows, no doors, it was completely flush, and even though it had no fixtures for light to shine from, the area around it was completely illuminated, as light reflected off millions of water droplets now suspended in mid-air. I was struck with fear and confusion as I broke my gaze just long enough to look over at my sister, searching for some sort of sign as to what this thing was, and if we were in any danger. Penny looked over at me, grinning from ear to ear. Cindy Boo 
it's a UFO. I didn't hear her say it, and her lips didn't move. But that's what she said. We both looked back at the object and it tilted slightly downward. At this angle it appeared to be spinning as a flash of iridescent lights made one complete rotation around its exterior. Then in a split second it shot straight up and disappeared into the night sky. Darkness resumed along with the sounds of the night and the crisp chill of the air. I stood dumbfounded, amazed and terrified by what I'd just experienced, while at the same time I felt relief that it was over and excited. I didn't know whether to run away or cry or laugh. I looked over at my sister, wanting to run to her, but still frozen to the place I stood. As if all my cognitive resources were occupied, trying to process everything, and I was momentarily unable to communicate movement to my legs. Penny was clearly not frightened by what we'd just witnessed. She seemed just as blissful as I'd ever seen her. And while at times I found that refreshing, in this instance it confused me. I needed to observe a regular adult response. Reclaiming the use of my legs, I ran towards the door, saying, Let's go tell Mum. Yeah, Penny agreed, and followed me through the back door. I was glad she was there and had my back. I knew there was no way my mum would believe just me about a spaceship if it had been only me running in with my Kmart telescope. We entered the dining room where mum stood laughing as my grandma sang the phrase, We won't go until we get some. I exclaimed, Mum, me and Penny just saw a... I briefly forgot what my sister had called it, but she chimed in to assist. A UFO, Penny injected. You did? With your new telescope, mum inquired. No, it was in the backyard by my fort, right above the fence, and... I wanted to tell her everything, all at once, but I just wasn't fast or articulate enough to express what all had transpired. And my mum was a regular adult who saw me as an imaginative child, and my sister, as well as a somewhat mild version of the crazy person she expected to show by the end of the night. Maybe it was Santa. I hope he doesn't pass you up because you're not in bed. I didn't believe in Santa Claus. I never did. I just pretended for as long as I could for the extra presents. I did understand the situation I was in, though. I knew Mum was done for the night and wanted me to go to bed so she could set up the Santa gifts and finally get some rest herself. Not to mention, she was usually well within the bounds of good insight by steering away from conversations featuring supernatural events with my sister. It just so happened that on this occasion, it was all true. And I understood that she would never know that. Shortly after that, a movie came out called Fire in the Sky, starring D.B. Sweeney. A based on true events film about a small town man who was allegedly abducted by aliens, experimented on and returned several days later. The movie, coupled with my memory of that event, terrified me beyond expression causing me to have night terrors throughout my childhood about the visitors returning to claim me. And I'm certain it initiated my lifelong battle with sleep paralysis dreams. I was so terrified. I wouldn't watch or read anything that had to do with extraterrestrials. And I wouldn't speak of it again for nearly 30 years. 
Somewhere in that span of time, I convinced myself that the entire event had been a terrible nightmare that I happened to just remember every single detail of, down to the mittens I was wearing, where they landed on the ground when I took them off, and the rush of heat I felt hot on my cheeks from the fireplace when I rang back into the house that night. My sister was estranged for many years throughout my childhood as her condition got much worse before it began to get better. She finally got clean and got on the right meds, and a few years ago she came to live with us. The first week she was here, we spent a lot of time talking about different things that had happened over the years, things that she'd said and done. I discovered that she had barely any recollection of a great deal of it, claiming that must have been the other me. I guess I got caught up in the spirit of sharing, or I got brave or something, but I decided to ask her about that night during one of our talks. Do you remember that one Christmas Eve? Is all I got out of my mouth before she responded with, you mean that night we saw the UFO in the backyard? That's a memory that stuck. I remember it as clear as yesterday. She then proceeded to describe the experience from her perspective with very little variation from my own experience. So there it is. It was not a dream. It was not my nine-year-old imagination. All those little details had made no sense. The ones I used to tell myself didn't happen are the same details that later on affirmed the reality of it. I saw a UFO in my backyard on Christmas Eve 1988. I was nine years old. So a little background in myself. I've always been very sensitive to the spiritual world. Ever since I was a kid, I have seen and felt spirits, and I still do. Now it has grown even more to sometimes hearing them, and I seem to attract them. My dad's side of the family is very in tune with this too. Both his sisters are able to channel with spirit guides. So luckily, I've been able to talk to them when things happen that I don't understand. But something new happened. I moved to Fort Lauderdale with my friends and my dog. We got a townhouse and it was the four of us together. My dog and my friend's cat. My dog is old and very protective of me. My door will be closed, and if the hallway light turns on, he is up and barking and attacking the door to guard me. One night, within the first month of living there, I went to sleep with everything normal. That morning, I woke up instantly, which normally never happens, and my eyes went directly to the eyes of a painting sitting in my closet. It scared the hell out of me how I woke up, and there was some strange painting at the foot of my bed of the closet resting on my hung clothes. I'd never laid eyes on this painting before. After the shock wore off, I thought, wow, okay, so I guess my friend somehow got in my room at night and put this here. So I went to put it in someone else's room to pass on the joke. Now, throughout the day, I was thinking, how? How did they get in my room, past my dog, and not wake me up? I always wake up as soon as Rusty, my dog, starts barking, Next, I'm thinking, if this was my friends playing a prank, where in the world did they get this? We just moved down from Virginia and the only artwork they have is a tapestry. 
typical college guy type stuff. So later that night, we were all sitting around having a beer and I decided to say something about it. I said, oh, by the way, whoever put that painting in my room last night, fuck you. They all went silent and still and said, what the hell are you talking about? I thought they were just plain dumb. So I said, oh, come on, the painting, the painting. They still had no idea what I was going on about. I ran upstairs and grabbed the painting and brought it down and announced, this painting, you guys didn't put it in my room. They all freaked out and pushed their backs against the wall and said flat out, hell no. They jokingly told me to get my ghosts out of the place, but they were obviously scared. At this point, I didn't know what to do. Nothing had ever appeared like that to me before. It was too late to call my aunt, who was quite in tune with spiritual things, and my friends convinced me to put it outside. So I did for the night. In the morning, I woke up and it was not back in my closet, thank God. However, I felt a strong urge that I should not have done that and not to do it again. So I ran outside and grabbed it and brought it back to my room. I called my aunt, but she couldn't sense anyone there and neither could I. The only thing we could think of that it was my great aunt. Her and I were very close and she passed when I was young, but she was the one that visited me often as a child. The boy blue was one of her favorite paintings. I chalked it up as her visiting me and saying that I made the right choice in moving away. However, I still don't know completely. I kept that painting hidden in my closet the rest of the time that I lived there. Nothing else appeared and nothing bad happened. When it came time to move out, I did not take it. It stayed in the closet and has not reappeared to me yet. Since then, I have had other things move and appear, but not the painting. However, I guess we will see. I don't remember how old I was, just that I was small enough to fit in the front baby seat of a grocery cart. That would put us in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was grocery shopping with my mum at Costco. For those who don't know the chain, it's basically a huge warehouse where everything is sold in bulk. Food, clothes, books. It's basically a Walmart, but if Walmart sold cereal boxes and counts of threes or frozen dinners by the dozen, my mum has a habit of pulling her grocery cart down to one side of the aisle in stores and then walking the length of the shelves, picking what she wants and then coming back to the cart and dumping what she has in the basket. I don't get why she does it, but hey, mums do weird things. So I'm maybe four or five, sitting in the front basket playing with my Game Boy Colour when she pulls over next to a fruit display in Costco and tells me that she's going to look at the different deals and to sit tight. I wasn't a very fidgety kid, so I said no problem. She's gone for a couple of minutes. I'm absorbed in Pokemon, so I don't really notice her walk up until the cart starts moving. Being a kid, I instinctively trust she's the one pushing the cart. I was wrong. After a moment or two, I catch out the corner of my vision her red nails. This is a problem because my mum never paints her nails and never ever wears them long. I look up. The lady pushing the cart is a little older than my mother, same curly black hair but pulled into a ponytail at the nape of her neck. 
I still remember she had tanned, Italian-type skin with thick red lips, a heavy coat of eyeliner and brown eyes. She was pretty skinny. Her teeth were yellowed and she smelled like, what I didn't realize until later, bad B.O. This wasn't my mum, and I said so very loudly. She laughed and looked around and pushed the cart a little faster. I said it again, and she looked me dead in the eyes and said, Oh, sweetie, what game are you playing? I am your mum. So the way Costco is set up, at least ours, is that in the produce area, instead of aisles, they're more like islands. They're quite large square setups, so you can see the entire length of the produce section if you walk in that area. So of course, I can see my actual mother a few displays away. As loud as I could remember yelling, Mom! And watching her head whip around to look at me, right as this lady is trying to cover my mouth with her hand. I don't know if she decided then I wasn't worth it because I was so noisy, or looking at my mother, charging from a few displays over. My mum is not a petite woman. She's built like a line packer and played roller derby and softball throughout college, up until I was ten. She's more of an ox than a human woman, but that's what I appreciate about her. But anyway, this woman squeezed her hand around my little face once, and then booked it. My mum comes running up to me and starts asking me a million questions at once and my little brain thinks all of a sudden that I'm in trouble for using my outdoor voice inside because she looks mad, so I start to cry. By the time she calmed me down, the lady was already gone and reporting her to the head of security. The store never found her inside and security cam footage showed her leaving, but never with anyone else. I don't know why she picked me or what it could have been for. But I'm just glad my real mum ended up scaring her away and that nothing came of it. Oh, I think this damn Ouija board is faulty. I tried asking it for the name of my future husband. I think the stupid thing is broken. The planchette keeps moving from H to A and back again and again. What kind of name is Ha Ha Ha? Oh, I get it. Very funny. I think it's time to use the Ouija board as a chopping board. That's one way to make soul food. Anyway, I need to stop with the Ouija puns. I'm getting bored of them. <laughs> See you next week, kitties.